On today's episode, Dr. Dave Stukas and I chat about navigating telemedicine and in-person allergy appointments during COVID, and we'll also chat about our experiences seeing patients via virtual appointments. Lighthearted yet informational, you'll definitely walk away from this episode with a better sense of what to expect from appointments during the pandemic. Welcome to Exploring Food Allergy Families a podcast with real talk, relatable conversations, and practical tips focused on navigating the impacts that food allergies have on families, relationships, and mental health. I'm Tamara Hubbard, licensed therapist and the host of Exploring Food Allergy Families. Please remember that while this podcast offers general advice, it should never replace medical or mental health care guidance from your own healthcare team. I'm excited for today's episode because I'll be chatting about navigating telemedicine appointments with Dr. Dave Stukas. Dr. Dave practices at Nationwide Children's Hospital and is a well-known allergist with a strong social media presence where he aims to dispel myths and let people know how and where to find accurate information. Dr. Dave, thanks so much for joining me to chat about telemedicine, which is something we've both had to adapt to with our own patients. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I think uh, telemedicine is such an important topic because uh, even as we venture back out into doctor's offices, telemedicine will obviously be a part of the equation for some time. So um, not everyone has had experience with it, and I'm sure it can seem a little daunting for some. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, you know, as of uh, eight weeks ago, I would not have been a very good guest on your show because I had no experience with it either. Um, But with the COVID-19 pandemic, as you mentioned, we've sort of been thrust into this new realm, uh, which has been fantastic on so many levels. Yeah. I know for uh, counselors and psychologists uh, like myself, we, we've we had uh, changes at mock speed, uh, you know, a couple of days and, and having to learn to navigate uh, telemedicine appointments uh, and get set up because a lot of us didn't do any online counseling before this. So I understand that. No, absolutely. We um, we had been talking about getting telemedicine up and running, and there's actually some really good evidence in regards to allergic conditions because these are chronic conditions that people live with for years and years. And as an allergist, I get to know families over decades sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the management, you know, we can do, especially for follow-up visits, uh, either over the telephone or by video. And it's been well established for asthma and drug allergy, even for new patient evaluations. So we've been wanting to do this for quite some time. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of hurdles that were in place based upon either the technology or the insurance reimbursement. Um, And we went from, you know, looking forward to doing this next year to doing it within seven days. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> Which is amazing. it's amazing what a pandemic will cause us to have to do, right? I mean, it's, yeah. uh, you know, there's no slow, slow change coming with a pandemic, that's for sure. So um, like I said, telemedicine may be anxiety provoking for some because it's new. Um, so that actually leads, you did a perfect segue right into my first question is what can a patient expect during a telemedicine appointment? Since many may wonder, how can doctors actually get enough information without seeing a person and taking vitals? Yeah, it really is very much like being in the office. Um, A lot of what we do is we just ask questions. You know, we use our our, our ability to ask very detailed, specific questions that gives us the information that really helps us hone in on the most likely diagnosis and most likely, you know, whether testing is necessary or uh, what types of treatment that we can discuss with the patient. Um, So it's it's a conversation. Uh, And while it is different because it's either over the telephone or by video and we're we're physically separated, um, you know, there are tricks that, you know, we can do on our end to hopefully establish 
establish that rapport, especially for folks we haven't met before. Um, I try to still maintain eye contact if that's such a thing. So, you, gotta, <laughs> you know, on my end, I need to know to look at the camera, but the same goes for patients too. You know, you know where your camera is, be in a nice quiet place where you're going to not be interrupted during the duration of your visit. Uh, and just, you know, prepare ahead of time, just like you would when you go to the doctor's office. You're not going to just roll in off the street, not being prepared. You're going to, you need, you need to know, uh, have you had changes to your insurance? Are there questionnaires that your physician's office needs you to fill out? Is there a copayment involved? What are your current list of prescribed medications? What over-the-counter vitamins, supplements, or other alternative medicine treatments are you taking and, and what doses are you using? Um, have you had any concerns lately? Writing down a list of things to make sure you address it so you don't forget it is very important. And then knowing, do you need any medication refills? All of that can be addressed through telemedicine. You're good. You already answered my second question, which I hadn't even asked. So you're, 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 you're already ahead of the game here. Um, that question was really, how can uh, patients prepare for a successful telemedicine appointment? So what you pretty much answered is being prepared and um, just like you would for any other appointment. So how would, for example, uh, if somebody thinks they had you know, a new reaction, maybe it's a new patient, and they need to find out, are they allergic to something? I mean, if you're doing telemedicine appointments, how does that work? Yeah, so it's it's be prepared to um, have the information. So have you had prior evaluation? What are the outside lab results or other diagnostic tests you've had done? What other physicians have you seen? Uh, if it's outside your your you know clinician's network, they may not have access to that. So having that available at the time or even forwarding it ahead of time. Do you have pictures of any rashes or other symptoms that occurred? You know, and you can often forward that through the electronic medical record or send an email or things like that, or even show it on the on the camera during the visit. Um, so really, it's just kind of having all your ducks in a row to make sure that uh, you're prepared to ask to answer these questions that um, you know an allergist or your physician is going to ask you. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. So, have you experienced some reasons why patients might feel uncomfortable or even anxious about doing telemedicine appointments? I mean, I'm thinking especially if they're doing food allergy treatments that way. Um, have you you know come across any reasons why patients are really uncomfortable or or want to cancel appointments because they're done via telemedicine? To be honest with you, not a whole lot. Um, people love it. They really do. It, yeah. It's a way for them to still be evaluated when they're a new patient to me. It's a way for them to stay connected because of those families I've gotten to know over years. Uh, and you know, for context, I've been at this institution for nine years. I've been a practicing allergist for twelve years. So some of these families I've known for almost a decade. Yeah. Uh, so really, it's you know we've already talked on the phone before for other reasons. And think of all those times you've had to call your doctor with you know simple questions, and you end up talking on the phone with either your doctor or your nurse. This is just an extension of that. Um, but I have had some folks that have opted not to do it either just because they're doing fine uh, and they actually didn't have any any questions. There's just sort of a routine follow-up that kind of gets scheduled and you set it and forget it. And they said, oh, I'm fine right now. We'll follow up in a few months, which is great. And then very rarely um, people are a little, um, they don't like to have the camera inside their home uh, for yeah. whatever reason, which is completely understandable. Yeah. Here's a question. Kids for the appointments. Um, I don't usually typically work with kids uh, as a therapist. Um, I do sometimes if it's food allergic related, but um, I've heard at least in my field, having telehealth appointments with kids can be a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, they're not exactly wanting to engage via uh, Skype or, or Zoom. So how have you found that going doing these, these uh, appointments with kids? Yeah, great. Uh, as a pediatrician, it, you know, I know I'm, it, it's really, you're but, lucky. 
Well, yeah, you have to, you know, you have to enjoy the process. And as a pediatrician, I love that I'm treating infants, toddlers, young Mm -hmm. children, school aged children, and teenagers. And that can happen every day. Same thing with telemedicine. So for the babies and infants, it's leeway. I let the parents off the hook right away. Listen, I don't need them on camera every second. As long as they're supervised in a safe manner, I want your focus and I want you to be able to have a conversation with me because that's all that matters. And then we can bring them back in. Uh, For older kids, get them involved. They can play around. We use Zoom as our platform. Play around with the background. You know, put yourself in outer space or put yourself in, on the beach or, or, you know, they love it. And, they and I know that it. you've recently um, <clears throat> dressed up as for superhero day and I bet they loved that as well. Yeah, it was, uh, I didn't, re- so it's a funny story. I woke up that morning and I, I said to my wife, who's a pediatric ER doc, I said, hey, um, I have these costumes because I generally dress up for Halloween every year at the hospital. So generally it's been superheroes and I have a Captain America costume, Thor and Star-Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy. I said, one of these days I should just dress up as a superhero for telemedicine. And she kind of rolled her eyes at me. <laughs> and then like 90 minutes later, I found out it was actually National Superhero Day. <gasps> Look so I came, I came out of the home office and I said, hey, honey, uh, it's National Superhero Day and I'm doing telemedicine all day from home. And she kind of looked at me. And even she said, uh, now you have to do it. And I said, yeah, I think I do. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah. Yep. Oh, did your patients love it? I mean, uh, they so probably always do. They probably it, they expect that from you, it sounds like. Well, yeah. And it turns out that day it was mostly infants. <laughs> oh, God. They don't quite get it, do they? No, they they're just staring at the screen. They could care less. Um, and then for the new patients, like the parents were like, all right, who's this guy? What's going on? So I, I led with, I explained myself and everything's going on, but yeah. it was, it was fun. I think people kind of appreciated the, the chuckle. Well, I think it, I think you hit on something really important with telemedicine. At least I try to practice the same thing with my clients uh, via telehealth is that um, be real and normalize it and help them understand that, you know, this isn't, possibly going to go perfect and that's okay. And, you know, help them understand the expectations. Like you said, you don't have to have the baby on the screen the whole time. Um, Let's just do the best we can. If we get disconnected, here's what we'll do. So I think the fact that you approach it that way and with some humor, uh, I think is, is probably puts a lot of people at ease as well. I start every single visit with a very basic question. How are you holding up throughout all this? Oh my gosh, I um, love that. Yeah, it's, I mean, we have to acknowledge it. You're right. That we're all going through this together. And it's, it's an absurd thing. I mean, whoever yeah. thought we would be here two months ago? It is absolutely no. mind-boggling. But no. we're doing the best that we can. Yeah, no, I, I, I constantly, my clients and I constantly talk about the fact that we feel like we're in a um, science fiction movie and we're not really sure what the ending will be or when it'll end, but that's where we're at. So let's just acknowledge it and get that out of the way and move forward. So um, yeah, you sound like you have a lot of fun with your, your patients on telemedicine and in the office actually. So (laughs) I think that's wonderful. I think that helps. Um, So if a, if a patient, you had mentioned, you know, some patients might say, okay, I set my appointment and, and I forget it and it comes up and I really don't need it now. Um, what if patients want to cancel their telemedicine appointments uh, either because they're uncomfortable or they just feel like they don't need one? Is that something, I mean, I, I would imagine that would be a case by case situation, but um, do you have a lot of patients that are canceling them? Um, we're not seeing a ton, um, but when they are, so you know, it, it's evolving and yeah. depending upon where your listeners are, there's going to be different restrictions based upon the state that you live in, even within the, the region within your state. Uh, so some states are starting to open up a lot faster. Others are a little lagging behind. So, you know, six weeks ago I was saying, I don't know when I'm going to be able to see in the office. Now I can say we're starting to see patients back again, uh, beginning this week, actually. So if you need to have a, you know, an appointment for skin testing, or you just prefer to be in the office, let's work it out. I can easily get you in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so it is just case by case. Yeah, I, I have to be honest. I've uh, done a couple of telemedicine appointments with my doctors. It was interesting. It, I mean, to your point that you said earlier, 
it's the same kind of conversations that we'd have in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only difference is we're not in person and there's no vitals. Um, but you could actually, I guess, ask people to take their vitals if needed, right? And share that with you if they had the ability to do that. Yes, absolutely. You can take heart rate. Um, you can take your. You can check your temperature. Uh, a lot of people have home blood pressure monitoring, uh, especially you know if, uh, folks who have high blood pressure and they've been monitoring it for whatever reason. You can measure your weight uh, just by getting on the scale if you have one. Uh, so a lot of it's the same, and you can use the camera to do a pretty good physical exam. I can't look inside ears and inside noses <laughs> necessarily, but um, you know a lot of what we need to do uh, is by the history, anyways. True, that um, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you know one thing that I've noticed on my end. There are times when I run behind because I, I try to give everybody as much attention as they need. And sometimes yeah. you walk in at one of your early visits in the day, they just they, they need a lot of attention for whatever reason. There's a lot going on. I can often pause, step out of the room, and have my nurses or myself let the other folks know, hey, you know, Dave's going to be a little while. Here's a magazine or a popsicle or here's a show. or At least they know. Yeah. But with telemedicine, if I'm on a call, I can't do that. Right. Um, so if for some reason it does go extraordinarily long, that puts me, it sets everybody behind. And I try to always be aware of that because I don't want anybody waiting on the other end just waiting for me to log on for 30 minutes. Well, you know, especially like you said, with no one able to, like a nurse able to say, hey, he's running behind, they might think maybe you forgot or they don't have any explanation. So um, they might stop waiting. So yeah. Have you had any experiences like that where it's, it's, because I know for myself, I have to book my clients differently because I have to have some transition time. You know, of course there might be get up and get a drink even or bathroom between clients, you know, so we can't book them the same that we used to in person too. Well, we still are, which I, I okay. almost I, I almost lost my mind initially, but then I, I adapted. Um, and some of my some of my partners have not, unfortunately. So I adapted mm. by I will see all of my patients in a row and then I will do all the charting and send all the refills and order all the tests and I'll just jot notes down and take care of everything at the end. Okay. Um, and that works for of, you. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of folks they're used to documenting during the visit or immediately they have to, you know, finish everything right away or they'll forget about it. Yeah. That doesn't work so well in the age of telemedicine. So you, you have to adapt. Yeah, there's a lot of different kind of uh, multitasking that happens when you're doing this, that's for sure. So I think mm-hmm. we're all still just figuring out the best processes to get through this. And, and uh, to your point, just as soon as we do that, uh, things are going to change. So <laughs> that actually transitions into the question I have about when somebody's required to go in person for an allergy appointment during COVID or to your point, when states start to open up the ability to, to have in-person uh, appointments, What advice can you offer to help calm the anxiety about heading into the doctor's office right now? Because I know even for my own patients, you know, some have expressed anxiety or or stress about, you know, thinking about going back to an in-person allergy appointment right now with COVID around. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take some of your wonderful advice. I know <laughs> what you what you talk about is you know uh, knowledge is empowerment. So yeah. call, have the conversation. You know, if you have questions, call their office. Hopefully, they're reaching out to you to let you know these are the screening questions we're asking. We can't have you come in if you have a fever, new onset cough, recent. Well, nobody's traveling anymore. Yeah. Uh, but they, there's some screening questions or known sick contacts, things like that. Uh, but ask them what are they doing? What are they doing to keep patients safe? Uh, well, how are they practicing the physical distancing? What are they doing to clean their rooms? Do you need to take any precautions with you? Do you need to wear a mask? How many people can actually accompany you to the visit? Um, and I, the other thing I want to say is 
from from my aspect with allergists, and I can tell you, medical professionals and physicians in general, we want to do everything we possibly can to keep all of our patients and families safe, to keep our staff safe. Um, we we are doing everything we can to stay up to date with the current recommendations, all the different processes and procedures for cleaning, uh, for the per, the personal protective equipment, and all of those things. Um, so that the last thing we want to do is expose any of our patients to COVID nineteen when it could have been prevented. Um, yeah. 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 I love that. And I've been saying that to people too. I've done a few um, talks on social media for different organizations or even to my own patients is um, doctors and hospitals don't want us to get sick. And so they're going to follow the strict procedures and, and processes to keep everyone safe. Um, and, you know, I'm in hospitals, for instance, I'm sure that they have places where, you know, those that have COVID are seen versus those that are there for other reasons. And so rather than catastrophizing and going to that place, if I go to the doctor, then I will get COVID and it will be bad to, as you said, check with your doctors because each doctor is going to give you different guidance specific to you. Uh, learn what they're doing to navigate this safely. And then remember that they don't want you to get sick either. And they don't want to get sick. So I think you made some key points there. Yeah. And also it's important for people to realize not all of us uh, live in Manhattan. Um, right. So, it, you know, the impact of this is going to be extremely variable based upon where you are. Yeah. Uh, in Columbus, Ohio, um, you know, we have a different situation than they have in Detroit, New York and New Orleans and, you know, Washington and others. Yeah. Um, so that, that factors in as well. Yeah, that's true. No, it's different times. Um, things are different. I love that you encourage uh, patients to call their allergists because I, I know I've heard people say, well, I don't want to bother them or, you know, that's a stupid question. And to your point, no, there are no stupid questions. If you're concerned about something, especially if you're concerned to the point where you don't feel like you want to come in because you're anxious, it's definitely worth calling, getting that, that knowledge and, and hopefully helping to reality check some of your thoughts on that. Absolutely. Wonderful. Okay. So anything else that you think is important for listeners to know either about navigating telemedicine appointments right now, um, preparation for them, or in general, managing food allergies during COVID? Well, I think in regards to telemedicine, um, you know, there's silver linings to everything. So we've already talked about how this has enabled us to really accelerate the adoption of this. But you know, start thinking big. What is this going to look like down the road? Um, yeah. Do you like this medium? Can, you know, if your if your allergist or physician continues to offer this, do you want to do this because you live, you know, in a rural area or it takes you know you have to miss work and uh, to go to your appointments and things along those lines? So um, I think it's okay to start planning ahead and thinking about what does this look like in the future, and it can be very exciting for a lot of folks. Yeah, I imagine yeah. Um, navigating treatments would be a little harder with tell. I mean, I know some doctors are doing food allergy treatments appointments um, via telemedicine, but I would imagine there'd be, if they were going to incorporate that, there'd possibly have to be some kind of hybrid, obviously. Yeah, and that that really has to be individualized because it really takes a you know um, an understanding of risk, what's entailed, uh, yeah. confidence. Um, you know, uh, e- each situation is a little is going to be a little bit different, and it's definitely not one size fits all when it comes to something like that. I think allergy care in general is not one size fits all. That's for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we should definitely preface and highlight and emphasize all over the place that people should reach out to their own personal allergist, their own specific allergist, so that they can get guidance specific to them and uh, each allergy might be, as you said, in different states, having different protocols. And and so it's important to not just get information from online, right? But to Mm -hmm. get reputable information, especially from your own allergist. Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, I was just thinking about this recently because 
there used to be these blanket statements and there's yeah. a lot of fear mongering and there still was a lot of fear mongering about how everybody, you know, is at the same risk and things like that. Well, you know, I know looking at all the evidence that's accumulated over the past decade, I know through my own experience with thousands of patients over the last decade as well, that it absolutely is not one size fits all. And the risk is highly variable. Um, and I also know that people can absolutely successfully learn how to navigate their food allergies uh, and maintain a very high quality of life. It can be done. And I see it every day. Yeah. Um, but when you go online and you're, if you're in certain echo chambers or certain pockets, it tells a very different story. And that breaks my heart uh, because it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And I often serve as the second, third, fourth opinion for a lot of folks. And I say, mm-hmm. I say right off the bat, I'm going to tell you information that you probably have not heard before. And it may even be completely contradictory to what you heard before. But I'm going to explain exactly why I'm explaining it to you this way and why things have evolved. And I'm here to offer you a, a pathway towards a better life. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that allergists are really stopping to look at that a little bit more now, this total side note, but since you brought it up, you know, looking at patient education and are there gaps there and are there things that can be said, you know, upfront after a diagnosis, beef that up a little bit more to decrease the, um, you know, the potential uh, anxiety that they might be developing. So I love that. And by yeah. the way, was that my dog that barked? This is podcasting in, in during pandemic time. So this is I real. love it. <laughs> <laughs> We're real. That, that's what I say. We're real. So, uh, but yeah, I love that that is becoming more of a topic of exploration because I think, you know, things are evolving. It's not blanket statements. It's not, you know, just like telemedicine appointments and allergy appointments in general are not one size fits all. Things are evolving all over the place in this community. Yes, absolutely. And even if I can't change your under, your underlying risk, or I can't necessarily change your food allergy, I can have the conversation with you. Yeah. I can listen to you. I can try to appreciate what your actual concerns are. And I can try to see if your your perceived risk is uh, differs from the real risk. Uh, and, and you know this, a lot of people, yeah. they are walking around with a very different perception um, that doesn't mirror reality. And that definitely impacts their life. So we can talk about those things. I love that. Yep. And collaborative care, you know, those of us out there that uh, are allergy informed in the counseling space or, you know, dietitians, we're all here to help as well to uh, make make people understand that they can have a good quality of life even while managing allergies. So um, actually that segues into my final question that I ask all of my guests. It's a fill in the blank kind of question. So here goes. Living an empowered life with food allergies means what? Understanding risk. Oh, I like that. Tell me a little bit more about that. I like that. Yeah. So um, I think people, if you want to successfully live in the world with food allergies, you need to know exactly what you're allergic to and why. Why do you need to avoid it? You need to learn about how to, of course, read labels. But you also need to understand what is your actual risk. And this is so nuanced and so variable because the risk is very different from being near somebody who's eating your allergen versus you actually taking a big bite of something that contains your allergen. Mm -hmm. Even if you accidentally eat something that has your allergen, the risk may vary. What's the risk for you for cross-contact with the utensil? What's the risk for you with touching a surface where the allergen was present but is not visible? What's the risk for you at various threshold levels? Um, This is where we are now. We're at an individualized level where we can help determine a lot of these, often through oral food challenges. Because there's a lot of people thinking that, oh my gosh, I'm going to die if I have you know, cross contact with something that touched peanuts. But if you actually go through the oral food challenge, you may not have any symptoms at all until you eat the equivalent of one whole peanut, which right. is way more than what you would find from precautionary labeling, trace amounts, things like that. Right. So I, I think we need to get to an individualized approach and people need to understand their own personal risk uh, because it changes the, your entire life. 
Oh, I'm all for that. I mean, as a parent of a child with an allergy and then also as a allied healthcare professional that works in this space partially. Yeah, I, I'm all for that. And uh, I think you're spot on with everything you said about that. So I love that answer. That's a good one. Thanks so much for chatting with me, Dr. Dave. I'm sure all this information is going to be really helpful to the allergy community in general. And I appreciate you taking the time to come and chat. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Exploring Food Allergy Families. Remember, your feedback is always welcome. And if you're enjoying this podcast so far, think others might too, and don't want to miss future episodes, don't forget to subscribe and share. There are so many more interesting topics we'll be exploring. Until we connect for the next episode, be good to yourselves and take care. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Exploring Food Allergy Families. Be sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss future ones. And if you're looking for an allergy-informed behavioral health care provider or for additional resources on any of the topics discussed in these podcasts, visit the Food Allergy Counselor directory and website at www.foodallergycounselor.com. Thank you.